This is the Amner Martinez Podcast. Welcome to the Amner Martinez Podcast. My name is Amner Martinez, and I will be your host. I am an immigrant from the country of Guatemala, and I've been living in Iowa since 1995. My professional background is in the staffing and recruiting industry, and I have been heavily involved in the local entertainment scene for the last 12 years. In this podcast, I will be sharing conversations with local people in entertainment, business, sports, nonprofits, food, arts, and culture. So stick around for some great conversations. Okay, let's do mic check. Do do it again. Say mic something. Check, mic check. Say something. Something. All right. All right. So we're live. Okay, we're back. Let's 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 get back to business, Kenji. All right. I know you're excited about it. I'm thrilled. <laughs> so we figured we've been talking that we need to move on. You need to kind of take a little bit step forward and see what what else. Yeah, is next, so. I'm, I'm waiting to move on, man. I'm I'm I mean, I'm I'm good because I don't generally enjoy you know people's company, so uh so i'm good like i'm in a really good place but at the same time it's like i was really excited about the projects that i had that involve people yeah and so you because because of that i had to put a lot of things on hold uh you're kind of a conflicted (laughs) human being kenji yeah because yeah i guess you know like i'm i'm happy with not ever seeing anybody's face you know but (laughs) But my life depends on people's faces. Yeah, because <laughs> some people uh, are struggling. Some people are struggling with, um, like, men, you know, there's some mental aspect to this, and some people are struggling. Some people are handling it pretty good. Some people are really struggling, and you're like in heaven. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say heaven. You know, yeah, it's pretty close though. Pretty close to heaven. Uh, I mean. Honestly, like, I, I, I mean, I just had plans, and now, now those plans are, yeah. you know, are so, garbage. So, so that's bumming you out a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, just because I was ready, man. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for all these new projects, man. Like, I finally got my photo booth, photo booth um, machine finished. And, you were uh, getting all your gadgets, all your lights? What's that? You were getting all your lights and gadgets. Yeah, I and... got all my lights, all my gadgets for DJing, for weddings, and I got everything, you know, ready to go. Made the investment, and uh, now twenty twenty no, canceled. My, my investment is tied up. Real quick, so we, real quick, so we don't get into this coronavirus talk again, because we want to move on. But how long do you do you think this is gonna go? Um, another month, another three months. The rest of the year. Part of, part of me says that, like in May, we're gonna go back to fuck it. You know, a lot of people are gonna say fuck it. Let's go back to normal. And mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't matter what the experts say. You know, people are gonna be like, fuck it, let's go. You know, so that's one thing. I, I think that that's a possibility, and uh, or I think that it's gonna get uglier. You know, hopefully, you know. People say fuck it, and, you know, the cases don't continue to escalate. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that's the case, you know, but 
you never know, man. Like, I, I feel like people, you know, are not, some people are not taking it seriously. Yeah. Clearly, I was one of those people, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just a month ago, I was talking yeah. a lot of shit, you know, talking a lot of shit, a lot of ignorant things coming out of my mouth. But at least you uh, evolve. At least you let your your mind evolve. You know, some people are just stuck and they are they refuse to acknowledge something. Yeah. So. I mean, still, still, I have like reservations. I still have a great deal of mistrust in general. Sure. Uh, things like this, you know, I still do, but uh, I don't know. I just think about it as like, who the fuck wins in this? You yeah. know, nobody. I mean, sure, there's somebody winning, you know, but really, like. You want to change our culture, you know, entirely. You know, this is changing our culture, period, dude. And like, yeah. And like, it just makes me think, like, are we ever really gonna send our kids to school again? You know, are we gonna fucking do that? I don't know, man. I, I don't know how many people are really serious. I about think sending, once, you know? I think once we find a vaccine, we'll go back to whatever, or we'll adapt to a new. Yeah, I, mm. I, I don't know, but I think that there's some real damage being done right now. No, yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't think, I, don't, I think, and especially in the restaurant industry, I'm, I don't think everybody's gonna be able to survive it. But I think it's gonna go on for a lot longer. I think we're looking at the fall. But anyways, we're not experts, so we'll just leave I mean, it at that. It sucks at the same time, you know, like I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not saying that I wish that this shit continues though, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's kind of exciting, man. Like I, I feel some danger, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of fucking lame, I, I guess, you know, but yeah. I went to Walmart just a couple of days ago and, and I wore a mask. It feels like a mission. I felt like I was on a mission. Mm-hmm. It felt like a movie. It man. feels like yeah. you're going to run into Will Smith at any time. Yeah, there's some like conspiracy <laughs> shit. Like, uh, I don't know. That was kind of cool, and and uh, I don't know. Yeah, going to Walgreens is a, is a, is exciting, but um, well, you know, like it, it it seems more and it feels more serious when you see other people wearing a mask. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I went to so Best Buy is doing this thing where. There's no contact, you know, like purchase. You buy it online, you go to the store, and then you park in a certain spot, and then they bring it out to you. They put it in the trunk. Okay. Which I think is, okay, pretty cool. You know, I personally hate Best Buy. I think it's a piece of shit store. But in these times, like, even Amazon cannot, like, fulfill an order, you know, simple order. Yeah. And get it to you in a couple days like they used to. You know, they they can't do it. So I ended up going to Best Buy, Mm -hmm. and... uh, I pulled into the to the parking lot, man. No joke. Everybody was wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. So that's when you know it's like, fuck, man. These yeah. people are serious, man. It, like it's gotten serious. Mm-hmm. And I was wearing a mask too, and I was like, man, I'm gonna look like a bitch, you know? Like, I was thinking, I look like a stupid bitch, you know? Somehow, somehow like, our like, egos are playing some kind yeah, of a role yeah, in it. Yeah, like you're gonna look like a bitch. Yeah. People are gonna say that you're a little bitch, you know? But no, everybody. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I just, you know, I, a part of me says, you know, this, this shit is not real, you know, but you never know, man. I have people that I love, man. I, I don't want to take chances. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. All right. So, um, we're going to move on to, or try to kind of make it as much as normal as we can, even though I know you miss seeing my face. 
I and me spending time with you. Um, I can tell the difference between your face and your ass, bro. So, <laughs> so um, on this episode, actually, which is interesting because uh, I spoke with Ray Davis Faring. Um, and we spoke, I think, like a week or two weeks before the shit hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were still kind of like, it was already like being talked about, but, you know, uh, Trump was still kind of taking it very lightly, saying, nah, 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 like playing it off. So they, therefore, we were, you know, and that's one of the things about the president. Like when he takes something serious, and this doesn't mean just Trump. I mean, any president, any U.S. president. When they say something, it pivots the mind towards that, you know. So when he wasn't taking it serious, that's how everybody kind of was behaving. So anyways, we recorded this conversation. Unfortunately, right a week after that, the shit hit the fan. And, you know, uh, there wasn't like a right time for me to, you know, or for us to upload this this podcast so but ray was really gracious to give me her time and i respect everybody that does that so um this is the this is our comeback podcast and it's a great conversation so ray's a, a stage actor she's a theater actor for decades um and uh you know unfortunately her play got postponed it was going to be at the stoner theater i think it's postponed until a later date i think it's like june or july or something um but we spoke a lot about um the roles that she's played so this is like a good podcast for like theater rats that enjoy talking about characters and in uh, theater life and um uh you know just kind of nerdy about theater um uh we talked about um so she has she plays roles that are um, uh, openly gay, um, but she was married to this army guy, and you know, uh, she didn't come out until I think it was in her mid twenties. Anyways, it's very interesting. I asked her about how that struggle that she had to being a stay-at-home mom, and then you know, going through a divorce and then coming out. You know, so I, we kind of dug a little bit on that and the struggles that women have. Um, she actually also started the um, Des Moines Girl Rock, this nonprofit organization um, that is still going in Des Moines. Um, I think it's on its later part of a decade old, this, this program. But there's some tea in this conversation um she went through a kind of a breakup with this organization and she this is the first time that she has openly publicly said her side of the story wow so it's it's gonna it's really really good i mean um you know i'm i appreciate people that come and really uh, um, allow the space that we that that we create for them, and like really like open up. So that that really that means a lot to me, and I respect that. And um, as we're having this conversation, you know, she uh, 
she really she's like you know what you don't have to edit this because you know i tell people like i'll edit some stuff you know and, da, 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 da. and she's like you don't have to edit this this is i think this is part of my healing i mean she really you know needed to get this out um nice. so um but she's you know um she's at peace with it but i think we all need that that venting part right like we need that last part of like just let it all out and just ah. so um she did that and um she's she's done her own music too i mean she's a very talented person um she's done a lot very interesting uh conversation we touched on a lot of universal topics that a lot of people can relate to so um i'm excited about it and um i want to thank her for being patient with me uh because you know we should have put this out a while back but she understands it was the the coronavirus came coronavirus. and changed everybody's plan so anyways any last piece? Any last words from you? No, just follow, follow our podcast. Uh, we're on every platform. We're on. Hey, the the, the Facebook what? page has like 250 likes now. Whoa! Whoa. Celebrities, <laughs> celebrities now. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> but yes. People yeah, follow share, us on, share uh, it, right? Like Apple Podcast, um, into uh, TuneIn. Um, what else are Spotify. we on? Uh, Spotify. Uh, very easy to follow our podcast. SoundCloud. And, um, yeah, and then follow us on like our page on Facebook, and uh, you know we, you know, if you have any questions or comments, uh, make sure that you do that. Yeah. We're really, um, we're really wanting people to start sharing it a little bit more so then we can kind yeah, of start to um, yeah just talk to us and let us know what you think um again if you have negative comments then screw you and um <laughs> uh, never mind then i guess <laughs> forget about the sharing part yeah, yeah we're we're not trying we're not asking for criticism okay <laughs> not, even, not even constructive shit we don't, we're not interested in that we have some praise you know then it's most welcome only praise <laughs> only praise so <laughs> if you got nothing nice to say don't say anything at all all right we'll leave it uh, at that kidding. then no but yeah uh make sure you do that follow us on 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 facebook and um instagram you know, yeah, we'll give you a shout out too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, episode twenty-seven. This is Ray Davis Faring. So Ray Faring. Yes, my birth name is Andrea Davis. Yeah. My mom named me after a character in an old movie called Backstreet. Starring a woman named Susan Hayward. Her character's name was Ray Smith. When I was born, my mother wanted to name me Ray. Okay. And my grandmother told her that is not an appropriate name for a young lady. And so she named me Andrea instead. And then proceeded to call me Ray every day for the rest of my life. And so then many years ago, at this point, um, probably not, it's less than a decade ago, but... Uh, about seven years ago, um, I got married 
Okay. And uh, in Iowa, when you get married, you can legally change your name uh-huh. through the marriage process. Uh. And so I decided, fuck it. <laughs> no more Andrea. That is not who oh, I've so ever Oh, so now been. is your official. So this is my legal okay. name. My, so my first name is Ray. Mm-hmm. My middle name is Davis, which is my birth last name for my mm-hmm. biological father. Mm-hmm. And then Faring is my, is my last name for my stepdad, who was actually my dad oh, my father he okay. was the person who was around and who raised me so and yeah. you said and you said you just came from rehearsing yeah i'm in a play i did theater when i was growing up and then um did theater all the way through the birth of my first child actually the last show that i did um many many 22 years ago <laughs> was uh-huh. Um, I was pregnant with my daughter. I was like six or seven months pregnant. And that was the last show that I did. And then I moved, you know, life happens, whatever. Mm -hmm. I got to Des Moines and uh, found out that um, the Iowa Sage Theater Company was doing Fun Home. It's uh, based on a graphic novel comic um, that was a biography of this uh, fairly well-known lesbian in lesbian circles. um, Okay. Alison uh, Alison Bechtel. And um, she had this comic for years and years uh, that I just every every lesbian discovers when she comes out called dykes to watch out for okay and anyway so she wrote this graphic comic about her life about her family and her relationship with her parents and it got turned into a Broadway musical oh yeah and so um, Iowa Stage Theater Company got the rights and decided to do the show so I auditioned and after 22 years I returned to the stage as Big Allison and Fun Home. So you haven't done anything on stage? That was the first time in 22 years. And then, um, uh, so that was a year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. then um, through a weird turn of events, um, I was made aware of another show that they were doing called The Cake. Okay. Uh, this is a play, not a musical, The Cake. And so I auditioned for The Cake, uh, very last minute. Uh-huh. And about five minutes after I left the audition, <laughs> <laughs> called me and said, "Hey, you do you it. want the ro- do you want to play another lesbian?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> duh, do what you know." So, <laughs> so yeah. So, so you played two lesbians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the first one was uh, is technically a white lesbian, okay. but they they cast black women okay. uh, in the role. So it was myself, an incredibly talented young woman named Pony Leducale. She played uh, middle Allison, and then. Um, uh, uh, I was about to say baby Alice, <laughs> but it's uh, young Allison or little Al um, was played by Amara Feidelson. So it, it was a great cast of amazingly talented people. But the beauty, the beauty of it was these three black women, you know, playing the leads in the show, which was fantastic. So now I'm now playing a black lesbian. She's written as a black lesbian. Okay. The character's name is Macy. So I'm playing Macy, the black lesbian from New York. Macy. So. What is tell me a little bit about the the play the the the, the, cake? Like the character in the yeah so the cake is uh as a story about that's the one that you're that I'm in doing right, right now, now. yeah okay. we're in rehearsals right now and it opens March 27th but um where is it gonna be playing uh the Stoner Theater at the Civic Center okay yeah okay um so the the story is about this young woman named Jen. Um, actually, I think that I really think the story is about Della. But anyway, this young woman named Jen uh, goes back home to North Carolina to her 
um, mom's best friend's cake shop. Her mom's best friend is this woman named Della. Uh And Della owns this cake shop. And uh, Jen goes back to see her mom's best friend to ask her to make her cake because she's going to get married. Uh And in Winston, North Carolina. And um, Jen's mom passed away several years ago. And so Della's sort of the closest thing she has left to a mother. And she um, shows up at the cake shop uh, with this woman, Macy, uh, to ask Della to make her cake to get married. And she has to actually come out. So Jen has never been in a relationship with a woman before. They don't know. They call her Jenny. Jenny. They don't know Jenny as a lesbian. Uh Um, They know the Jenny that, you know, good Christian girl from the South. And she moved away to New York and comes back and is now marrying a black lesbian. And her mom's friend, Della, who owns this cake shop, has absolutely no idea how to handle it. Of course, she Uh handles it as you would assume that she would and has a struggle um, with that request to make the cake. and But I really do think that the play is mostly about Della because Della's, you know, personal situation is just incredibly sad and tragic. She's a, a sad, lonely woman um, who, uh, you know, just has some struggles, um, not to mention the fact that she's struggling with sort of the inner um, sort of debate tug mm-hmm. of like moral tug of war mm-hmm. within herself that she loves this young woman mm-hmm. she was best friends with her mom for her entire life mm-hmm. and uh she has a clear issue with making a gay wedding cake it's yeah. a gay wedding cake play oh yeah so you play the the, the fiance the fiance yeah. okay yeah is it so you played other gay roles, other lesbian the roles. Only other the only other lesbian, <laughs> I mean, besides my real life, the only <laughs> other role that I've played as a lesbian was uh, was Big Al in uh-huh. Fun Home. Yeah. It was an amazing thing, I mean, to be able to play an out character yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on stage. I mean, it, you know, in theater, primarily. I mean, of course, everybody knows Rent and, you know, all of the... All of the sort of in, you know, recent history, there's obviously been a shift uh, in um, representation of LGBTQ people mm-hmm. in um, on characters in theater. Right. Because mm-hmm. we okay. all know mm-hmm. theaters filled with queers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, so it's not like LGBTQ <laughs> people haven't been present in the theater. It's just that, you know, explicit roles or, or entire shows built around a character who is uh, part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. that's that's a fairly new thing okay. um, in the sort of musical canon. Uh, and so it's, it was kind of Yeah, because musicals are like very gay, right? Like very happy, like gay in the sense in of the, the word back. The word yes, happy. yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, sometimes there are, there are some dark musicals as well. But yes, stereotypically, when you think of a musical, it's everybody's, you know, busting out yeah. the song for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is everyone singing? <laughs> Who does that? So you act. Sometimes, and you, yeah. you Life happened then for 20 some years. You yeah. Just yeah. And I just, I didn't do theater. I was, I mean, quite frankly, I was, um, after the last show that I did 22 years ago, uh, moved, you know, back to Iowa. This was about a couple years out, uh, maybe a year after that, but moved back to Iowa in like 99. Uh-huh. So it's been 21 years. Uh-huh. Um, moved back to Iowa in 99 and, uh, 
I was married to my daughter's dad at the time. And as soon as we got back to Iowa, I left him uh -huh. um, and came out uh -huh. not long after that. Um, and I spent many years underemployed and unemployed and just struggling to like feed myself and my child. And so, you know, it's fairly privileged to be able to um, audition for a play and to be in a production. Yeah. You know, it's just it really is a privileged thing to be able to do. So was there a, would you say that it contributed that there wasn't any roles that attracted you or um... oh god all the time i mean mm -hmm. i'm you know a theater kid from way back so i know the playhouse since i've lived here did les mis and you know my so the you, dream of you my did life audition? no god oh, no, no. I, i didn't i didn't step foot in the theater um except to maybe see a show my my kid my daughter got into theater when they were in mm. high school and so i watched my kid sort of relive my experiences okay. in fact they um why did you stay away though uh, like was it um conscious decision or just no kinda... i was busy trying to survive okay many of those years I many see. of those years were was really um like i worked at the gap <laughs> in waterloo at crossroads mall uh -huh. um i waited tables at peppers and cedar falls uh i worked at sapphire strip club I wasn't a stripper. Not that there's anything <laughs> okay, wrong with that. Yeah. I have mad respect uh -huh. um, for dancers and for sex workers because uh -huh. uh, sex work is work. Right. Um, not that I that there's l literally anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I just did. That's not something that I did or that I was interested in doing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I was a cocktail waitress. So you think that it became kind of uh, a second thought, like like I'm I'm too busy trying to make it. It didn't even enter yeah. my brain. Like that that just wasn't something that i i did the mm -hmm. the when i was in i lived in north carolina actually when my daughter was born mm -hmm. and i did a show called a funny thing happened on the way to the forum okay. and i played a character called gymnasia and actually uh eddie mecca was in it and nobody who probably listens to this is going to be old enough to know who eddie mecca <laughs> is but he was carmine ragusa on laverne and shirley okay. um this tv show from back in the day anyway Car uh, Carmine, Eddie Mecca was in the show. It was like kind of a big deal. It was regional theater. Okay. Um, and the choreographer for that production had actually uh, really liked me, thought I was really talented, and had tapped me to actually um, come on a cruise ship and join a cruise ship cast okay. to perform and like mm -hmm. make that my life and my job. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> about four weeks, maybe five weeks into the show, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter mm. and I was like, well, I can't, <laughs> that's that. <laughs> so there goes that yeah, yeah, idea. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so I did one more show when okay. I was, you know, I was hugely pregnant, but I actually p played a nanny, like a, an, an Indian nanny. Uh -huh. Um, because uh, they didn't really have lots of brown folks okay. in the theater yeah. in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So I played an, an, an Indian from the, the country. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. From the nation of, of India. Uh -huh. And um, so I played, Aya was a character in, in a musical called The Secret Garden. How was that? Did you have to do an accent? No, I didn't no? speak. Oh, okay. <laughs> None of the brown people in that show spoke. Really? So um, I sang. How did that feel? Or there, there was no lines. Like did they? Not was really. it a conscious decision? Like no, we no. Can't that's I. just the that's just the play. That, the, the play, play. isn't really okay. about isn't really about the Aya. The Aya is representative of okay. a period of time in the in Mary, the main character. Okay. Well, one of the two main characters. 
um, was just sort of representative of uh, the time she was in India. Her parents died of malaria or some shit, and she okay. got sent off to, you know, the Irish countryside or English countryside. I don't even remember. I mm-hmm. used to read the book religiously mm-hmm. when I was a kid, The Secret Garden. But anyway, so mm-hmm. that was the char- the last character I played, okay. and then. You know, I p- popped out a baby and just kind of, I became a housewife for yeah. a short period of time uh, and then started working again and then moved back here and was a sort of a destitute single mother. So when did you get into music then? When I was pregnant with my daughter and staying home, mm-hmm. um, I was bored out of my mind and I bought myself this shitty guitar because I was uh-huh. like, what am I going to do with my time? I'm losing my fucking mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I started to teach myself um, music. I just got a guitar to like occupy my time so that my brain didn't turn to oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because I was lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my again, my child was is and was amazing. And I got a lot of, you know, stimulation and, mm-hmm. and entertainment and purpose taking care of my child. But I didn't have anything for myself. Because this is the thing. When I was growing up, I have been in, t- in music my entire life. Uh-huh. Um, you know, choir, show choir. I went to college on, an, on a vocal music scholarship. I played violin for 13 years. I played okay. piano for a number of years. I've always been in music. But for some reason, and this is really fascinating to me about my youth, and I've also been a consumer of music. I grew up mm-hmm. listening to my parents' albums. I bought albums for myself and tapes. And I remember listening to AM radio before FM was really huge. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to AM radio in my, mm-hmm. my very small formative years. But it never occurred to me that there were actual human beings who actually wrote the music and okay. performed it. Okay. Like It was just something that was outside of the realm of my understanding about how sound came out of my radio or who was on the album so i get this guitar i start playing and i don't know how to play it but i have a music background you know i studied it in college and studied it my whole life so i'm like i can figure the shit out i played violin for 13 years it's got strings it's got a neck you know it's kind of the same Mm -hmm. totally not the same (laughs) um but anyway i uh once i knew a few chords i think i had that guitar for not even a week and i wrote a song oh okay it was a country song and i was like huh i wrote a song yeah um that had to feel really good it was very good it was i was inspired and it just came to me i mean i think i wrote that song in like less than an hour and i was at karaoke one night I don't really do that anymore, but I used to do karaoke <laughs> a lot. Um, went to karaoke one night, and this dude saw me and was like, uh, I sang uh, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. And he was like, uh-huh. hey, me and my buddies, we started a band, and we're looking for a singer. Would you be interested? And I was like, maybe. Mm-hmm. So uh, we made a plan for me to come to their rehearsal, and I had an exit plan. I had a, a safety plan. I was like, listen, I'm going to go to this dude's house, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't know these dudes, so <laughs> you, t- you call me. Uh-huh. At like this particular time, and if I yeah. don't answer, this is where I'm at. Send the police, come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> and so they called, and I'm like, no, 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 it's good. It's, it's all good. good. <laughs> and I, so I became uh, the lead singer of like a hard rock band here in Des Moines called. This is so awful. It was called Sin Hinge. Sin Hinge. I, I did not pick the name. <laughs> okay. But these dudes had been jamming together essentially, mm-hmm. and they had all these songs that they had written, had no words, had no melody. 
So they gave me recordings of their songs and I went home and I listened to them and I'm like, okay, this is the genre of, mu- of like, music I'm what, listening to. Uh, heavy? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, like, like screaming like guitars. Metallica? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what were you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. But of course it was you get down with it, you country? Heavy? hard rock yeah all of okay. it that's i mean that's how i grew up i grew up listening to a wide variety of music so i i was the lead singer of this hard rock band yeah now let me touch on a couple of interesting things that you said okay so um so you said that when you were married and you were a stay-at-home mom um that you didn't want your brain to <laughs> turn into oatmeal, uh, oatmeal. <laughs> and you know a, a lot of stay-at-home mothers whether you know being gay or not that mm-hmm. doesn't that's not part of the equation but just staying at home um there's a struggle there right mm-hmm. like a uh, internal struggle oh, for sure. um and not that that children are not fulfilling but um my wife laura she stayed home with the kids for um for the first yeah four four years mm-hmm. and i would find her crying you know, mm-hmm. and so can you speak on that struggle a little bit? Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a question there, um, yeah. but um, I see that that happens a lot. You know, we have friends, too, that there's just this period of motherhood that especially if they're staying at home, that there's just internal for the, you mm-hmm. need something. How do you um, mm-hmm. release some creativity? Can you speak right. on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think some of it has to do with um, sort of these really strict uh, social mores that are that this particular culture in the United States has created around mm-hmm. the role of women and our purpose for mm-hmm. existing yeah. which is to create life and then to nurture yeah um and so there is uh an historic external pressure to uh to have that purpose be the sum total of who we are right mm-hmm. and so whether or not a woman has the privilege to stay home, because it mm-hmm. certainly is a privilege, yeah. um, whether or not a woman has the privilege to stay home and not work outside the home, or if a woman chooses to work outside the home, home or needs to work outside the home, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter what the decision is, there's always some external pressure that's telling you that it's the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So if you leave the home and work outside the home, then you're abandoning your children and someone you. else is raising yeah. your child. Mm-hmm. If you stay home, mm-hmm. then you're somehow less less worthy as a woman because now, you know, women are women can have it all. We yeah. can, you know, fuck yes, the 80s, yes, man. Yes. I mean, I'm an 80s kid, but uh-huh. that sh- that whole fucking decade just was like crazy town Uh um but yeah we you know we get this narrative that oh you can have it all and you can Mm -hmm. you can have the kids and work outside the home but then you get you know you get shit for working outside the home and then you stay home and people look look down their noses at you like oh you're so pathetic you don't have a life right and so but but really at the end of the day it's about none of that right because all of that is socially constructed all of that is some made-up and it's a very sexist and misogynistic social construction, right? It's this made-up idea about who women are and what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and I was, so, was going to say that because on the other side of the con, men, we don't have that pressure. No, like, nobody cares yeah, about like, that. Uh, <laughs> I know. So that's uh, be, so sexist. women is is no matter what you do, you're right. um, doing the wrong thing. It's like always going to be wrong, yeah. right? And so 
When I was staying at home, that was something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I had the privilege to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband at the time was in the military. He was a, as a JAG, he was a JAG officer, a mm-hmm. judge advocate general. So he was a lawyer, basically, mm-hmm. in the Army. Okay. And um, it's the Army, right? So mm-hmm. they take care of shit. We yeah. didn't have to pay. I mean, I think it cost us $30 for me to, like, have our kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they gave us, you know, money for housing, which, you know, translated into money for food because yeah. housing was fairly cheap back in 1997. Mm-hmm. And so I had the privilege to be able to stay home, which I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on my kid. I wanted to um, really do that and do that well because I did not have the greatest parenting growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I also am just, I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. I like to learn. I like to do things. And there was only so much fulfillment I could get out of that. Mm Because I was was killing it. Sure. My kid was smart and healthy. And (laughs) I I mean, yeah, I was. I was killing it. I was a fucking stellar mother. And I could press BDUs like nobody's business. (laughs) My husband's uniform was fucking on point. Nice. but that that just wasn't stimulating for me. That wasn't yeah. enough for me. And I didn't really didn't have the maturity at the time to recognize the internal struggle I was having, but I was struggling. I, I wanted something for myself and I felt a little guilty about it. Um, but then I also knew that my choice was intentional. I wanted to be home and it wasn't until uh, my then husband called me lazy and a leech for staying at home and taking care of his kid and washing his dirty drawers that I went back to work. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's sort of was the struggle that I went through. But it's unique to, I mean, really, like one thing that I want to make clear is that the bottom line point is that whatever the struggle, it's unnecessary Mm -hmm. and it is unique to every woman. We should not have to struggle in that way. Yeah. Do you think there's there's no, I mean, because the kids are nine. I mean, Lada struggled a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. to, uh, I mean, there's this need of like, what else am I capable, you know? Mm it, it hasn't changed that much, has Mm-mm. it? No, I mean, my daughter's 22. So, and your kids are only nine, mm-hmm. which means your wife was going through the same thing like five, five years, years ago, ago that I was going through 20 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, like it, not much changes. And yeah, the judgments don't we change see either. Some, we see some, some of our friends that, uh, or, you know, people on social media, we know they have kids and they're like, they're trying to start a business from home. Like there's mm-hmm. just like this, this pressure to like having to produce yeah being at home being a stay-at-home mom somehow is not enough Enough. somehow right yeah that's kind of in and of itself is a fucking crazy job yes that is a crazy ass job yes i would i mean i stay with the kids sometimes you know for long periods (laughs) of time (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like yeah i'm like yeah i'm like oh my god you know um yeah it's you know, you, you kind of get a sense of like, you know, you hear some uh, horrible news that mothers kill their kids mm-hmm. and they drown their kids. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, you know, listen, so. I was driving home from North Carolina, driving back to Iowa with just me and my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, they were an infant still in a rear facing car seat and they were horrible in the car seat. Most kids fall asleep in the car seat. Mm-hmm. My kid screamed bloody murder before I discovered rescue remedy. 
Um, but scream bloody murder. I literally pulled my car over on the side of the road, got out of my car while my kid was still in the back seat screaming, and I walked. I walked away from the car really? for like a solid five minutes, locked all the doors, yeah, 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 yeah. pulled off the shoulder. I was yeah. safe about it, but yeah. I left my kid and I walked out of the car and walked away for five minutes and walked back. Yeah. Because in that moment, and I am I have no shame in saying this, in yeah. that moment, I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. I understand how people hurt their children. Yes. Of course, you don't do it. Yeah. But I ha I had to get out of the car. Yeah. I was depressed. I was in you know in emotional pain from a horrible marriage mm -hmm. um i was frustrated because i was mm -hmm. stuck in a car by myself with this kid that wouldn't stop fucking screaming yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was nothing i could do and i was driving i can't stick my boob in the back seat from the front seat <laughs> god <laughs> at the time they were almost that big <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> but you can't do that yeah. so there was I, I, I did i just had to i had to walk away yeah. so uh, it really is i mean you know obviously it's not okay um, for women to snap, it's not okay for anyone to hurt a child. But the idea that we beat ourselves up for having a limit, that we beat ourselves up for not, you know, just powering through, that we beat yeah. ourselves up for a moment feeling like I just can't fucking yeah, deal yeah, with yeah. this anymore, right? And that's okay. Yeah. Like, sometimes you can't fucking deal with it anymore. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. That's that's why community is so important. That's why, you know, supporting, you know, women is so important. Mm -hmm. Or or parents in this particular case because you don't have to be a woman to be a parent, right? Yeah. Like if you are taking care of a child, having community and having support is just vitally important because you need a break from a very self-centered and selfish tiny human who cannot function without another person <laughs> yeah. right like how do you how do you expect to be everything to one person yeah. you just can't do that mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't mind tell me a little bit about um did you come out when you were married right after so i came out in uh gosh we moved back here in 99 2000 back to cedar falls and i came out the very next year um so i was 26 mm -hmm. 27 when i came out um but i have been pretty fucking gay my whole <laughs> life <laughs> i mean like in in, so in retrospect like and hindsight i've been yeah yeah so what so when did you know though when did you um, know when now that you look back you're like at this age i knew uh when i was six years old angela, okay. angela chavis in second grade um i loved her okay i was obsessed with her she was from el paso texas okay and uh she had like those terry cloth romper like one piece thing uh -huh. and i remember when i was six turning seven my um parents my mom and my stepdad uh let me have a big birthday party like where you invite people mm -hmm. and you like play games and do stuff even one of their friends even dressed up like a clown yeah bobo the clown i have pictures of this to this day <laughs> my best friend at the time heather bell she's my best friend for many years my best friend at the time heather bell i i have a vivid memory of telling her listen when you come to my birthday party you can't sit next to me because i'm gonna sit next to angela chavis and i have a picture uh -huh. from that birthday party 
where Angela Chavis and I are sitting next to each other. We did an activity. We made like a Play-Doh and then my mom baked it while we went outside. So everybody took home like a ceramic sculpture that they made. Mm-hmm. And um, I have this picture of me turned just staring at Angela Chavis while she's doing her thing, like talking to me. Yeah. And I just, I just thought she was everything. Yeah. So in hindsight, that was not that was, just, okay. that was not just, I wanted to be friends with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, at six years old, you don't know anything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. all I knew was I just wanted to be next to her uh, all the time. So what do you think happens? I mean, you, you're somebody that went from like, you, you've kind of freed yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out. Yeah. So is, is it society that kind of makes us kind of put on a armor and be like, I'm just going to use this armor because this is what society expects out of me. Mm. That's a good question. I think that um, in my particular case, I mean, I'm I'm old, so for me, well, I mean, I'm relatively old. (laughs) I was born in 1973, so I'm kind of (laughs) old. I'm gonna be 47 this year. I'm pushing 50, yo. So (laughs) I'm 50. 50. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) um, so when I was growing up, like. And and on t- and add to that that my mother didn't really talk to me about anything uh-huh. anything yeah um, even though like one of uh, one of our friends well our family friends growing up he went to our synagogue Ken Goodman was like on fire he was so gay uh-huh. so so gay in <laughs> hindsight he was gay but there was nothing that was ever talked about I think my mom's best friend when I was growing up Jan I think she was a lesbian. Um, but that was never, those words were never spoken. Yeah. And then I also was at a time when like, and I know kids still say it today, but it's different today. It was like saying something so gay was common. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that gay meant anything other than awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so having like zero kind of sense of any kind of sexuality, Uh um, having sort of a repressive mother, um, having social expectations about, okay, when you hit a certain age, these are the things that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be boy crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a picture of Christy McNichol uh, from, and Tatum O'Neill from the movie Little Darlings. Look it up. It's so inappropriate for (laughs) adults to even watch this movie um, because it's about teenagers like doing it at summer camp. Um, But as a kid, and it was inappropriate for me to see it as a kid, Uh but I just, I was in love with Christy McNichol, everything about her. I just, I was obsessed with her. And then like Joe from Facts of Life, who was very, every lesbian knows that Joe was clearly a freaking lesbian, but they didn't let her play it that way. She was a tomboy. Okay. Um, but all my life I've had these, these, you know, these, the, these clear markers of yes. my sexual orientation. But is it just retrospect or where do you remember during those times too, that, that you, that you had like, maybe I am. Uh, but that's the thing. I did not have language for it. Okay. I did I not gotcha. know it was okay. an actual thing to be. Mm, okay. It's, it's very, very strange. Yeah. I was very, very naive for many years of my life, just incredibly yeah. naive. So I was like, yeah, I'm not really a lesbian. Plus, you know, I liked boys. Yeah. I mean, 
and so I, this and I negative still, you know. con- this negative kind of um, connotation wasn't planted in you so you were already kind of like yeah, no, no you, it was not you, a thing yeah 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 like at that point like Pushing Ellen it could away, be gay then, yeah. everybody knew Katie Lang was gay everybody mm-hmm. knew Melissa Etheridge was gay mm-hmm. even I knew my favorite band the Indigo Girls were gay but I but you're like and n- even then I still called them gay I didn't even say they were lesbians which is a significant word that matters okay um but yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm, they're gay. I'm mm-hmm. not gay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it was very, very, very strange. And it wasn't until I left my husband and I was on my own, like truly for the first time in my life, Yeah. on my own, mm-hmm. um, that I was just like, yeah, this might be a thing. Uh-huh. And what, like, yeah. how did you come to that? Because um, I saw a girl I liked. Okay. And I, I got the eggs to talk to her. Huh. And it was horrible. I have no game. <laughs> it's <was> so <laughs> awkward. We literally were talking on the phone for like hours. And I said, listen, why don't you come over? And I just, if, was if, she I, if I can, was she? Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, okay. Oh yeah. Shaved head, septum piercing, okay. tattoos everywhere. Ugh. Okay. And so I was like, listen, why don't you come over? And if you kiss me, and I don't throw up. <laughs> That's a. <laughs> then we're, we can keep talking. <laughs> then maybe there's something yeah. there. Like I literally said those nice. words. I was such an idiot, and I kept saying, "Well, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not a lesbian. Yeah. Like I just like you. Yeah. No, I I like women. Okay. <laughs> so then, was there uh, once you were on your own, mm-hmm. 26, mm-hmm. divorced with your daughter? Mm-hmm daughter right mm-hmm. um so that w- did it get easier or more difficult like did once you have to I accept it yourself telling your family where was the oh god no once i was out i was out i mean that's the thing that's the beauty of a uh, coming out later in life mm-hmm. like i did not give a fuck yeah about anybody yeah yeah what anybody had to say yeah. I'm like i am a grown-ass woman i have been taking care of my baby uh-huh. i've been taking care of myself I don't, you know, I don't need anybody to say it's okay because mm-hmm. I'm living my life. Um, you know, my stepdad, of course, was like, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I met someone and blah, blah, blah. And well, how did mm, they take it? How did your mom and your dad I go, you? and she's a girl. And he goes, so? Oh, okay. That was his response. Oh. My mother, on the other hand, didn't speak to me for over 10 years. Really? Yeah, she disowned me, as did her mother. Really? Yeah. And oh, and she didn't speak to and it like was actually literally, longer. Literally. She literally said to my face, you know, I think it's best if we don't talk anymore. I mean, and well, you talking about your mom um, kind of brings my dad and I've talked about my dad a little bit about, um, you know, how, uh, you know, just like your mom, my dad was taught things, mm-hmm. right, that he would tell me um that I only assume that he said it because that's that w- he was taught that, and then probably his mom was taught that you know that and what I'm talking about is so on my dad's side, we you know are indigenous, you know my grandmother still on my dad's side still wore she she didn't wear western clothing mm-hmm. so um one of the things that he would tell me he's like, we have to improve the race, which means like marry somebody that's lighter skin so but so so that's what 
I'm assuming that my grandma was telling my dad because that's what it that's what that's the thing that he thought was a good thing to tell me. Same. You know, um, and so so I'm a, so it's like this chain of things that been kind of mm-hmm. ingrained in us, right? Mm-hmm. So um, not assuming that I know your mom, but just by by that mentality that I have towards my dad and this thing that he would tell me, like we were taught this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It takes generations for. Mm-hmm. For it to feel like it's, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, I'm telling, I'm doing it for your own good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so that's a, that's a, that's a, it's really interesting that you say that because that's a similar experience I have with my mother and her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both black women. Mm-hmm. My mom's dad is half white, mm-hmm. uh, and my grandmother grew up in a in a time when you know, darker than a brown paper bag was undesirable. Mm. And so both of those women taught me my entire life to hate blackness. Really? Hate my black self, mm-hmm. hate my wide nose. My grandma used to tell me to rub, oops, rub the side of my nose like that mm-hmm. so that it wouldn't be so wide. I could train the bones in my nose to get skinnier. Um my grandma and my mom both taught me to never, ever, ever, ever date black men, um, obviously before I came out. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom did not, I mean, she was so anti-black mm-hmm. my entire life. Uh, that's how I was raised. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize until when I, I was an adult the depth of my internalized racism. Yes. I mean, that shit was deep. Like self-hate. Such self-hate. Without even knowing I was hating myself, yeah. I thought I was hating other people because, quite frankly, I mean, yeah, my skin's black. Yes, obviously I'm black. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, like, that black. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, pointing over there, that kind yeah. of black. Um, because, you know, that's how, I, that's how I was taught. And, mm-hmm. my you know, my grandma believed that her mother didn't love her and didn't raise her because she was too dark. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that kind of sort of, you know, negative teaching that, that we get generationally um, has severe, severe consequences and an impact. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of me not even coming out for so long, not even being able to yeah. recognize my own, you know, queerness really had to do with self-loathing right like on all levels i experienced racism when i was married to my daughter's dad and we were living in north carolina Mm -hmm. that some pretty overt stuff and i was like oh yeah those people are racist right but but i still didn't feel it the way you know the way there's layers right there's layers yeah um in my lifetime until recent until my recent past I have never really had experiences in the black community. Mm -hmm. My mom um, took great pains. Uh, Like my stepdad, he's a white German guy from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. So she took great pains to, um, uh, to bathe herself in whiteness. But, and I was just talking to my person about this. Mm -hmm. Um, I was I was uh, denied my life mm-hmm. 
the blackest that my life could be. I see. I was denied that by my mother and by her mother. I see. Um, I was sheltered from that. Not that there's anything to be protected from, but that was sort of my experience. So I can't really, I can't, I don't feel um, qualified, you know, to say what the black community Mm -hmm. experience is like, because I was never part of that. Mm -hmm. Today, I feel differently. Mm -hmm. Today, I feel I've spent, you know, the last few years, um, you know, living intentionally and experiencing my life intentionally Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a black woman. Yeah. Um, And that has completely shifted my worldview. It has completely shifted the way that I... um, the way that I experience my life, my ability to love, it has changed everything mm-hmm. in my life for the better. Your writing? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not really writing any music. So. <laughs> um, and that's, dude, I don't think you understand. My inspiration was murdered. I can't. It was a t- it was a traumatic experience. Uh, on on writing. Yeah, on creating music. Um, Do you want to talk about that or? No? I mean, I can. It's I've never really talked how, about how it publicly. Does, I mean, I've never talked about it publicly, but it's. Uh, so how does one inspiration get murdered? Well, I, so I uh, I've been playing music here for quite some time, and mm-hmm. um, uh, through a, a various series of events. Um, got this idea to start uh, an organization for girls mm-hmm. called Girls Rock Des Moines. Okay. Um, because I thought about me as a kid. They're still going though, right? Okay. I thought about me as a kid and how I didn't think that writing music was a thing that people did, right? Uh-huh. And so anyway, I started this organization by myself from okay. the ground up. Um, and I, it was besides my actual children was probably the only other thing that I'd ever done in my life that I felt was worthwhile. Uh-huh. Um, I, you know, had girls from all over the place. Uh-huh. I even had girls traveling from out of state to come just to do Girls Rock. Um, I made it accessible, um, you know, made half of the spots of the available camper spots were always reserved for girls who needed need-based scholarship assistance. Mm -hmm. There was no requirement. You just tell me how much you need and we'll pay for it. Um, I had, I was intentional about, you know, reaching out to girls of color to get them involved as well. Mm -hmm. And um, now I say I did this completely on my own, which is, you know, not to discount the um, support and partnerships that I f- that I had in the community, mm-hmm. but I had that support in those partnerships because I reached out. Mm-hmm. I had that because I did the work to make that happen, and um, so I did this for several years, um, and uh, I took it from being a one-time summer camp uh, to a full fledged 501 C three nonprofit organization mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. with a, with a board of directors, with a functioning working board of directors. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, a year and a half after I did that, that board of directors of all privileged white women, mm-hmm. all white women, mm-hmm. um, effectively, 
tried to steal my organization from me. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, I, I don't, we've already been talking a long time, so I don't know about getting into all of the nitty gritty details. I don't uh-huh. know how much time we have left, but <laughs> no. the, but the bottom line is that they, um, I mean, every, every person that I worked with, every, uh, every young girl and young woman who was a part of Girls Rock, every parent who sent their child, every guardian who sent their child to Girls Rock Des Moines, um, very, very much believed that the experiences that their girls had because of what I created. And it was, it really was about what I created because yeah. There are other Girls Rock programs around the country, and I created this one differently, Uh and I created it specifically differently on purpose because I wanted a different experience. I modeled a lot of what we did there after my experiences of attending um, the Michigan Women's Music Festival for 15 years. Um, there's a vibe of community. There's a vibe of empowerment, not just rock on, girl power, but like truly... Um, seeing these individual girls for who they are and valuing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was all very intentional. And I did that. I did that. And uh, the this board of, of privileged white women um, came at me after one, after the last summer camp that I did mm-hmm. and uh, claimed that I um, was inflexible and rigid because a volunteer said so this volunteer came to me with an idea that i said hey that's a really great idea that doesn't really fit our day camp model but i would love to meet with you after camp Mm -hmm. to talk about creating this program because we're a nonprofit now we can have all kinds of programs right that's me being inflexible Mm. um they (laughs) this board of directors decided to have an event but I, I was disinvited. I could not come. They wanted to have an event for the campers, but I was not allowed to be there. Now I ask you, anybody in the nonprofit world, if your board of directors decided yeah. to have an event for the constituents, the clients that you serve, but nobody from your staff is allowed to go, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah. not how that yeah. shit works. Yeah. Not only that, part of what we provided at Girls Rock Des Moines was also meeting these girls where they are. So we had girls with, you know, severe trauma issues. We had girls with, you know, behavior issues where they were, you know, they had, they were medicated. Mm -hmm. We had girls with mental health issues. Um, Running the gamut, we had a a girl who was, you know, we had one camper who was abused. We had another one who had a parent and who was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. You know, these girls have lives, right? And life is shitty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And they came and not only were they, you know, supported and met where they were, but also we took great pains. I took great pains to make sure that whatever they needed to stay healthy and safe, they had. Mm-hmm. So they decide they want to have this event and I can't come. And I'm like, well, and it's an overnight event with these children who they do not have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, if you, whatever, if you're, cause it's now a 501c3, it's now out of my hands. Yeah. Once it became a 501c3, yeah. I was no longer the boss. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, listen, if you're going to do this at the very least, can I just talk to you about who's attending so that I can give you the information you need to make sure that you have 
full understanding of who you're going to be working with just in case anything comes up right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if you know one camper had a friend who had attempted suicide and she'd been struggling and so you know if she's going to come and have you need to know this stuff because this stuff is what's disclosed to me so that i can make sure to have the full spectrum picture of these young girls to make sure that i can help take care of them and give them a good experience and so they we were sitting at this board meeting and and they they like didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to know. They didn't. They're like, I don't. I don't. One of my, um, one of my board members at the time was like, my sister's a nurse and she's coming, so it doesn't matter. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't matter. give a fuck who your sister is. <laughs> like, I don't give a fuck, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a nurse. I just know who these girls. I know them. Yeah. Your sister doesn't fucking know them. Yeah. And if you don't want to listen to hear from someone who knows them, what the fuck are you doing? And then in that meeting, you know, we were talking about these very things. And I was, and one of my, one of the board members says, this just seems really weird. I just have to say this, but I just feel like we're getting a reputation for the camp for girls with problems. I mean, don't we have any campers that don't have any problems? Like literally said this and nobody around the fucking table said a word. Nobody said a word. I'm like, do you even hear yourself? That is not, that is not what I've created. That is not who, who I am or who this organization is. Like what the fuck? And so through the course of, and this is the very short version, Uh but through the course of that conversation, it became very clear to me what they were trying to do. Mm. They did not. And oh, and then I had a volunteer who like flipped out at one of our campers Mm -hmm. during camp, like started yelling at her and called her a tattletale in front of the other campers. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? So I'm like, hey. And I, you know, I was like, I'm going to keep it cool. I was like, hey, let's go in the other room. Everybody's upset. Y'all take a break. It's all good. I took her in the other room. Like, hey, you know what? I didn't yell at her. I didn't say, what the fuck is your problem? I said, what's going on? Are you okay? Come to find out, she had literally 15 mm-hmm. gigs booked in the course of the you know two weeks that mm-hmm. we were doing the camp. She was taking care of a sick relative and she had a job and she was volunteering full time at Girls Rock. Yeah. And I was like, honey, listen, you take a break. If, if you had told me <laughs> that this is what was going on in your life, I would have said, maybe this is not the year to volunteer. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you, whatever you need. And she was like sobbing and crying and it was just like all emotional and whatever. <laughs> and I'm sitting here taking care of this white woman and her tears. Yeah. And someone, someone else, some other volunteer decides to write in their assessment of how camp went that ray is running around making volunteers cry oh. and i'm like are you fucking and, and they're telling me this that i make volunteers cry and i was like okay would you like to hear the context around yeah, that yeah, yeah. they literally said no So through the course of that board meeting and all of that conversation, I said, listen, I see what's going on here and you're not going to do this to me. You are not going to take anything from me. I said, I have done fucking amazing work over the past five and a half years. And I am so proud of what I've done. I fucking started it from me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, listen, I am so proud of what I've done. All uh, I can, I can point to uh, over a hundred girls. Mm hmm whose lives are forever changed for the better because mm-hmm. of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gathered my things and I said, so I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked away and I sent an email to campers. I sent an email to parents. I sent an email to volunteers and I sent an email to donors that said, Hey, 
it's been it's been nice. It's and been I did real. not say one negative fucking thing about yeah. any of those people. Yeah. Not one negative word. This is the first time I have publicly said anything about what happened. <laughs> and and the fact that I didn't burn it to the ground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like you could be like, if I'm going down, we're going then, down. Yeah, yeah, then it's done. Yeah. I did not burn that shit to the ground. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter that it's still going today is a testament to the good fucking work I did. Yeah. Good fucking work. I did. And then not only that, after the fact, this community, uh-huh. the Des Moines Music Coalition, the person that they have running it now, mm-hmm. they fucking erased me as white people do. Mm-hmm. They erased the very next year when they're recruiting campers for mm-hmm. the camp, they had the audacity to use my face in one of their Facebook ads. I immediately messaged them and said, get my fucking face yeah, yeah, yeah. off of your ad. When you was don't this? get to do that. What, how long ago was this? Like four or five years ago? Oh, God. At this point, yeah. I'm going to say, what's this, 2020? Had to be 2015. Okay. Yeah. 2015. Because we've taught, so we've had rock girls. Maybe 2016. At the festival. So we do a festival. We do a music festival. And we, um, so like three, this will be the fourth year that um, we've talked to them. And it wasn't, I don't, I'm not the contact, but. Right. Which is interesting uh, because I just heard another. podcast from this guy from the music the the music, the coalition. music coalition of course they, pre- the they pretend like they pretend like i never existed yes and uh, they interviewed um the, the now the Sarah? director i think that's her name um that's interesting who, who by the way <laughs> i recommended to run it mm-hmm. who i said if i'm not doing it yeah that's who you should ask. oh so she's been there since you left yeah okay. i i booked okay. i <laughs> we used to be friends i booked her tour Oh. I booked her uh, a nationwide tour. I actually went on tour with her. Okay, 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 okay. And, and I come back to her ste- helping to steal my organization. Because, you know, that event that the board wanted to have? Uh-huh. Guess who is the only person they invited? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. before I even left, that's who they invited. Yeah. It, it, was, it was intentional. And the Des Moines Music so Coalition. So that yeah. you. Yes, that took, you, that that t- t- that took yeah, everything took away from me. Yeah. Well, because they, they took, they t- I mean, it was like taking my child. Yeah, 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 yeah. They took it from me. Yeah, I have a five hundred one three C right now, and <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, I don't you know, I, 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 think after this, so ninth year, so the tenth year, I think I'm like gonna walk away. Like, mm-hmm. hey, ten years. That makes sense. That, it wasn't time for me to walk yeah, away. Yet. Yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah, time yet. Yeah. That's not how the life it cycle seems, of a nonprofit yeah. works. It's way too soon. Yes, and, and you, it's clear because. The things that happened after my departure, c- they've completely shit on the legacy of what I've created. Mm. Hmm. They're trying to have like male volunteers. I'm like, no offense, but yeah. this is this Girls. is g- this is gender specific yes. programming. Any girl who sees herself as a girl gets to come, but the volunteers are women. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And you don't it's have to. Crazy. This is the thing. You don't have. This is. I'm I'm being straight up. Like, you don't have to delete any part of this. Okay. Like, this is this is very, very. I mean, this is my this is yeah. my tr- this is my truth. This is yeah. what this is the violent erasure of a black yes. woman in this music community mm-hmm. that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. Not only that, the year after it happens, guess who gets an award for volunteer of the year from the Des Moines Music Coalition for her great work with Girls Rock Des Moines? Sarah. And guess who accepted it? Sarah. And in the interview that the Des Moines Music Coalition posted on their website, guess what she talked about? All of the shit that I accomplished. Uh, All of it. So it's like a local modern day kind of... uh, 
violent erasing, erasure uh, of a black woman. Yeah. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. I, and this, and, and, yeah. And the Des Moines Music Coalition is so fucking shady for mm -hmm. all of that shit because they, um, they gave me a donation the very first year. Mm -hmm. You know, 8035 did great. They had all this excess. Mm -hmm. They gave us money mm -hmm. one time. Mm hmm. I had to ask them multiple times over multiple years to stop writing my coattails and to take Girls Rock Des Moines off of their website. Mm -hmm. They say, you know, proud supporter of Girls Rock. Yeah, like, you yeah, did yeah. one time, yeah, one yeah. time. You don't get to ride my coattails. Yeah. So not only did they try to ride my coattails, and then they started their own rock band camp without even talking to me. Yeah. I'm not saying don't start the rock band camp, but hey, why not yeah. say? Because, you know, when I started Girls Rock Des Moines, the first person I talked to, James Bean who runs the Central Iowa Music Lab, uh, that they have, they do lessons, they do a whole rock band experience. His is a business. Yeah. I wasn't even starting a business. I was just doing a summer camp, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a rock band thing too. So I think the neighborly thing to do would be to tell James Bean, hey, I'm going to do this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, A, do you have any advice? B, just do you want a partner? Up. Yeah. Like, do you have any ideas? What can I do mm -hmm. to make sure I'm not stepping on toes? Yeah. Like, that was the first conversation I had. Those motherfuckers didn't even have the decency to talk to me. Yeah. They it's it all it's and it's so fucking messed up because <laughs> I had a volunteer working for me uh -huh. on documenting the curriculum that I had created. Because I wrote mm -hmm. the curriculum as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Documenting the curriculum I created. She'd been working with me for, I don't know, three weeks or so, had access to my entire curriculum. This is before they started their rock band camp. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Had access to my entire curriculum comes to me one day after working with me for like three weeks or a month or whatever and says, I should let you know that um, I've actually got a full-time job. I just accepted a, a position with the Des Moines Music Coalition. I'm like, oh, awesome. Good for you. Best of luck. Thanks for all your work. She's like, uh, I just wanted to let you know. Literally days later is when I get a message from a friend of mine who was a music writer at the time that said, hey, did you know that the Des Moines Music Coalition is starting a rock band camp? <laughs> and it was that volunteer. And she <laughs> was, I'm not saying that she did it, but they hired her uh, to do that work. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I immediately contacted her. I was like, hey, listen, I'm not saying that you're being shady. I'm not, this is not accusatory at all, but I need you to delete all of my files i'm removing you from having access to all of my files on the google drive mm -hmm. i need to trust you that you're not going to access that anymore and mm -hmm. i'm going to remove you and if you have anything in your possession i need you to either recycle it throw it away return it to me whatever you have mm -hmm. because this is i had i had people interviewing me mm -hmm. when dmmc said they were going to start the rock band camp like what do you think you know what mm -hmm. does this mean for girls rock like i'm yeah. just like they, they didn't even have the decency to talk to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and when they were confronted about the award, um, the volunteer award, which, P.S., I don't want a fucking award. My award <laughs> is the fact yeah, that one of my internal. campers graduated from high school and was moving out to Seattle, and one of the last things she did before she left town was sit and have lunch with me. Yeah. Like, that's my reward. That's reward. I don't I don't need yeah. an award from the Des Moines Music Coalition. But if you're going to give this woman an award, which I'm not saying she doesn't deserve an award, give yeah. it to her. But don't give it to her for Girls Rock. Mm -hmm. And when they were confronted with that, they, they, they had nothing to say. To they had absolutely nothing to say. They didn't change anything about their approach. They didn't change anything about the award. In fact, the person who was supposed to emcee that particular event that year didn't. Yeah. Because she said, listen, 
this is fucked up. You guys have to fix this or I can't. Like you are erasing a black woman's contribution in this music community that's already so super So let me white. ask you this. Are you not in the their website? Are you not no, mentioned I, as a... I as have a, blocked every fucking thing from that because it is so incredibly painful to me. Mm-hmm. And I lost... For the most part, I lost my relationships. Sure. With all of those girls. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, we're still sort of connected through social media. I show up to graduation parties. Uh, one of them is going to have a show at XBK. I'm going to, you know, do my best to show up to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to stay connected as best I can. Yeah. But it's also really awkward for a 46-year-old person to be friends with a 15-year-old. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Unless you have this Unless I have this. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm no longer a mentor yeah. to these girls. They, they stole. They stole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these girls who I loved so deeply yeah. and who I gave so much of my time and energy to. I left. I lost jobs because of what I dedicated yeah in my time and energy to girls rock. Yeah. I literally lost jobs for it. Yeah. And and they they stole it from me. Yeah. Without a second thought. Yeah. Under the guise of me being some kind of problem, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I was not. Or did, did they give give you the opportunity to No, they didn't want to he- no, they did like, not want to hear from me when yeah. I said, "Hey, you want to when the when the volunteer called me inflexible, I was like, I can see why they would say that, but mm-hmm. do you want to hear the context yeah. of why they think that? And I'm not, was I didn't even once try to defend myself. So do you think the decision was already made? The they decision was already made. Something. They made up a reason to kick me out of my own organization that I started mm. from the ground up. And those mm, those white women had no fucking idea. Yeah. And the only reason that it's standing today. The only reason it's standing today is because what I created wasn't about me. Yes. It it was it, about it, it was about own, the girls. Yeah. The idea somebody told me he's like a good idea is that can live without you. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is is I never wished for its demise. Right. I never You could when, have like lit when it I up sent on that fire. E- yeah, when I sent that email and all those parents were like, What? I you know, I'm not sending my girls back there and I said, Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm that is mm-hmm. not that is not what this is about. Yeah. I, you know, I said, I wish no one ill will. I, you know, am a hope for the best. Yeah. For everything moving forward for Girls Rock. Mm-hmm. I have never once, you know, wanted to burn it to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, in in yeah, emotionally weak the, moments, yeah. I, you know, I'm just like, fuck that. Yeah. I wish it would, fa- <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, without yeah. me. But that's just stupid, <laughs> stupid selfishness. I don't, re- yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really wish that. Yeah. I'm glad that it's still going. Mm-hmm. But this is part of my healing process: is that you know, finding out about you know people saying, oh well, they're talking about getting male volunteers and talking about young teenage boys trying to volunteer there. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah. I got nothing to be sad about anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got nothing. To, that is not what. That is not what I started. It is no longer. what Are I you started. gonna do anything like that anymore? No, no. That, they, that, they have. How ki- can they you, literally right? have killed. They have killed yeah. my desire for creating yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. They have killed it. Wow. Yeah. You yeah. gotta dig deeper. You I gotta know. dig in there. I know. You gotta That's, dig in there. I was just talking about that too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know? So so uh, um, to finish up yeah. here real quick, but um, I mean, you know, we all have our ups and downs and yeah. dark moments yeah. and uh, tragedies and stuff like that. But it's a, a bit. Um, 
what do you what do you call it when you like to get beat up? <laughs> Masoch- masochist. Yeah, yeah. But when I'm sad, that's when I feel I I I kind of twist it, and I'm like, I this is where I, my creativity mm-hmm. comes, mm-hmm. and like I'll write and I'll mm-hmm. like because that's when um that's when I'm at my rawest and my most you know. Mm-hmm. So in a way, sometimes I'm like when I'm sad and and things are a little dark and a little. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is this is where I this is where creativity comes, you know. Yeah. I I, I kind of like sometimes being sad because I feel more artistic or more yeah. whatever, you know, you more tap creative. Into, yeah, tap into something. So, gotta yeah. dig a little deep. Yeah, I mean um, that's that's because really if if you've been involved in music for so long, um, and you have this, you know, violin and uh, uh you know, you've wrote, you know, just such a beautiful like music, uh, your your story in music or your own story right mm-hmm. um why like let that um be the last part of it the music i'm sure there's another yeah. chapter so i'm yeah i think it's i think it's there yeah I just, yeah yeah i think i just haven't um yeah quite figured out how i'm gonna so this is it. you've never uh only within your friends that you've talked to you've never said mm-hmm. this uh, yeah <laughs> i've never i've never talked about Here it you, you know because that's because that's what that's what we that's what we do yeah. you know that's what black women do yeah we we can't complain right because mm-hmm. if i say something out loud like when when, now when you're she crazy got that black award woman. yeah when she yes. got that award i'm just mad i didn't get the yeah. award or if i say something about yes. it when it first happens and i'm just an angry black woman yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, all yeah, of yeah. that bullshit that mm-hmm. that there's no way for me to escape that and so i've kept you're, my so mouth you're shut. damn if you do and damn if you right, don't right right yeah. but today and this is exactly what you were just talking about today, the journey that I've been on in really living an authentic life and really um, being just unapologetically a uh-huh. black woman yeah. dictates that I get to talk about it. Yeah. I get to say what happened. Yeah. And to your point, maybe I get to be creative in a different way. You know, maybe I get to find inspiration in that. Yeah. So. Let's end it with that. Okay. Thank you so <laughs> much, Ray. I really appreciate it.
you for listening. That was Soul and Skin by Ray Davis. You can find her music on raydavismusic.com. R-A-E-D-A-V-I-S music.com. Thank you.